Well then, Ash, it's the end of another year. Yes, it is. 2022 is all but in the books. Today is 30th of December, 2022. Another year, Ash. Christ, it is, isn't it? <laughs> another year has gone. Where's it gone? Uh, in the past. It's... <laughs> well, today is all about looking at the past. We're going to look at the year that we've just had and what a year it has been. Uh, for professional wrestling as a whole. The whole landscape has effectively changed. It has. It has. It's uh, the what I thought was going to happen this year. No, I don't think anybody would have, you know, probably predicted this <laughs> at the start of the year or even at the end of last year. But here we are, nonetheless. So you are listening, dear listener. I was going to say viewer. Same thing. Unless you've got different sort of sight. Uh, <laughs> you are listening to the Pro Wrestling Roll-Up, TMOF Wrestling, Pro Wrestling Roll-Up Wrestling Podcast. How many times can I say wrestling in one minute? Probably more than that. A lot more than that, I would say. About, about 22! 22! <laughs> we are today going to be uh, taking a retrospective look at the world of professional wrestling, the weird and wacky world of professional wrestling over the last 12 months. There's certainly been a lot. Um, we won't be going through absolutely every little thing, but we will be looking at some of the biggest oh, moments for us. We can look at every little thing if you want. How long you got? Um, to the end of next year? Probably, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to pick out the biggest things for us, and we will be closing the show with an illustrious award ceremony. Why you say that? Forget the Oscars. Forget the Grammys. The Tonys. This the... This is the Sammys. The UCs. We'll call these the UCs. Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's jump on the bandwagon for everybody. For someone know. else's hard work. Well, could you call it the scissors? The, <laughs> yeah, we could do. Different meaning. Once again, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, this is TMOF Wrestling. We want to thank you if you are a returning listener. Thank you very much for coming back to us. It really does mean a lot. Um, for those, obviously... Uh, if you've got Spotify, you'll probably look forward to your um, end-of-year wrapped sessions that they put out for you. If you haven't done it already. If you haven't done it already. It's a slightly old news now. Yeah. But um, obviously for, in the podcast game as well, you do get the the wrapped for that. So you can, you can see kind of all the, you know, the people you've reached, how many minutes people have been listening to, and all of this sort of stuff. And uh, honestly, just a massive, massive thank you. Massive thank you to everybody because... We're in the top 10% of, um, I think it's about 17 or something people. Might it's be slightly less. And we're in the top 5% listen to podcasts um, for about maybe like six or seven of you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's a massive, massive thank you, honestly, because, you know, yeah, they're smaller numbers, but we've been at this for just over two years and we started out with nobody, you know. So yeah, true. It's it's huge. Like genuinely, it's really appreciated. So, and you hear it all the time, and people say, you know, oh, thank you, and really appreciate it and stuff. But no, honestly, genuinely, genuinely mean it. We really, really do. We're we're honestly so so grateful um, for all of your support. But obviously, if you're a new listener to this one, then you know, thank you for jumping along, and hopefully, we'll be in your percents next year as well. We'd love to be in your top percent. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. We hope you can enjoy the show ahead. Yeah. Around the mic tonight. Me, Ash. I am Russ. Let's get this bitch started, shall we? Which bitch? Well, there's only one. 
Let me see. Does it begin with Vince and Anna McMahon? <laughs> I th- to be honest, we should really probably start with it, shouldn't we? It's it was the biggest uh, news story in wrestling of the of the year. Of all so, time, isn't it? Well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, it's probably within our lifetimes, isn't it? Really, so far, like it's monumental. Do you know what? I'd like to know what it was been like during like the uh, days of the territories when like. Vince bought them all, or when WCW closed and ECW closed, and then even when like WCCW was in its trouble and AWA was in its trouble, I'd like to know what pod- if, if podcast was always a thing. What they've been like? Well, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, to be fair, though, again, like the territory days would have been, you know, wrestling on this sort of global scale. It's just not to be because to, to be honest, like it kind of was there, wasn't it? But just yeah. it was more radio. As yeah. opposed to the I mean, podcast, so you'd Mel- have like the areas. And Meltzer's always been about. He's, he's always been about. Yeah. But I want to know, like Black Black Saturday in '83, what what would happen back then if like like internet would have been around like it was today and social media. It's weird, isn't it? But it's it's one of those like what would the attitude ever have been like? You know, if the internet had, was where it is now back then, you know. That sounds like an episode idea. It sounds it sounds like an episode idea. Maybe next year. What, um, <laughs> Monday. Yes, I wasn't trying to be one of those making that joke. Mm. You know, see you next year. I wasn't... I, I promise I wasn't, wasn't no, doing I it. But somebody who won't be seeing WWE next year is, of course, Vince McMahon. At least not in the same capacity as he had done for the past... I mean, how many years was it in the business? It, like, uh, as as the owner. So he, he bought it, it from his, his dad in... 82? 83? Yeah, early 80s. So, you know, like for generations, Vince McMahon has been the head of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment. And I said an episode a while back this year, um, before all of this had come out, about effectively not even looking at WWE as, uh, as a wrestling product really anymore. It was almost like WWE was the alternative to pro wrestling. Yeah. And I, do, I still stand by that. Um, for what it was at the time, but obviously since everything that's happened with Vince, you know, it has taken a different turn, and it and it does seem to be acknowledging its roots more uh, under the Triple H and Stephanie slash Nick Khan regime. But yeah, Vince McMahon having to step down as the CEO for his own company after the scandal had emerged um, in light of the the Wall Street Journal investigations for for the money. That had gone walkabouts and turned out that it was the hush money, or as Ash likes to say, hush money. As Ash really likes to say in uh, Vince McMahon's you voice, have, you have to watch the video. <laughs> <laughs> Unboxing WrestleCrate, it's on there. Ash does a crack in Vince McMahon impersonation. Um, not in that way. Not in that way. But yeah, it's it come out that millions paying people off. Uh, for essentially sexual, you know, obviously we're joking about the oppression and things like that, yeah. sexual harassment and and um, everything else. Like it was all within that kind of ballpark, wasn't it? But you know, that's obviously not funny at all. And it's it's just really just sad that such a successful businessman like Vince was like this is how it this is how it ended for him. This is the I think uh, this is the year of the billionaires or multi millionaires coming out as. Bad people, really. It's Which shouldn't really be a surprise to... Not really, but... and 
That'd be like we say about how when territories got closed down back in the day and how podcast if podcast was a thing, what it'd be like. This isn't the first scandal with Vince and um, sexual harassment. No, it's not. I think the trouble is though is it's and WWE obviously is probably the epitome of it, but you know history's written by the victor, isn't it? So you know everything. You know Vince has been caught up in many scandals, not just sexual allegations or anything like that. Like there's been so much over the last you know four decades plus um, of of Vince being caught up in you know pretty questionable acts and things like that, but. It's it's just it's surprising that this was the one that brought him down. Yeah, honestly, it's because it was pretty much to the day, um, twenty years from the, I think almost twenty years from the steroid scandal. Uh, ninety four from when he left. Ninety three, ninety four, ninety three. I think that was, wasn't it? Is it even ninety three, ninety four? It's around that time. It's, but it's it's close to. It's a blur that time. Close to, almost to the day, mm. which is mad. Um, you know, but he got through all of that. He got through uh, the other, well, the other allegations, as he said there, and obviously everything that had happened in two thousand seven, and all of the backlash there as well. Just crazy, and this is what did him. Hmm. We, I'd, I'd never. Even with this, I thought, oh, everything would be fine because it's Vince, and he seems to get away with a lot of shit. He does, and then like. I guess I guess in appearing on Raw and SmackDown every week after the investigation was being talked about didn't help him. That was Vince's way almost, wasn't it, of saying oh, when he came out on that SmackDown was his way of saying, Nah, I am fine, don't you worry about me. The fact and then a week later it's well <laughs> guess not. And the the fact that they had cheers, which were probably the plants, but still. I dunno. It's it's one of those like I'm glad that he's... I'm, I'm glad that the change has happened. Yeah, in a weird way. I, it's obviously very unfortunate that that happened because of, you know, the allegation side of things and everything. Um, Can I thought it'd be like a, like kind of like a funeral where you take a while to get used to everything and everything's just like, oh, you you, you build you, you have to build up like the... getting it all back to normal. But it feels like stuff has got better since this is gone I just think that like a big part of it as well was like if someone like me I was ready for the change and I, I know there are plenty of other people out there that, is, that they feel the same way but most people have been ready for like a long time exactly it's, it's funny watching back videos of like 2018 2017 where people are like saying oh Vince has got to go and yet you, you, you laugh looking at it now going tah if only they knew well exactly but it's the change has finally happened. Triple H took over as the head of creative team because obviously along with Vince McMahon being out the door was John Laurinaitis. Um, people power. People power. But <laughs> he's gone, so more power to the people, I guess. But yeah, you know, it's it's just completely shook everything up. And, you know, have there been... Uh, has Triple H got everything right? No. no but- Would any of us get everything right? No. You know, I the, the fact is, is that the change has happened. This is what we wanted. It's there. And it's been largely very, very, very positive. Like, this has been the year almost of change is the way to sum it all up. But if you want to talk about a year of returns, 2022 is going to go down as one of the years for, you know, the biggest returns you've seen. 
in any in any single year. Shane McMahon at Rumble. Shane McMahon at the Rumble. We'll come to old Shane. But yeah, Vince, man, it's it's crazy that it, it finally happened. Um, you know, but at the same time, I don't. You, we still we don't have what we have now. I did say this before. We've said this before, but we don't have what we have now. If it wasn't for Vince doing what he did back in the territory days, like you're saying, making WWE WWF at the time the global phenomenon that it became. Like we don't have this. We don't get to sit here and do podcasts. We don't get to sit here and uh, enjoy wrestling on the big scale that it is. We don't get to look back fondly at Attitude Era and everything. Like we, we don't have all of that if it wasn't for Vince. You can't, you know, it's easy to turn around and go, yes, the product was stale. It was. It was boring. Some people still really enjoyed it. More power to them. There's nothing wrong with that. But by and large, change here was a good thing. It just come about for unfortunate uh, it was just brought about by unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. But with Vince gone and the end of that era, the beginning of the, the official now McMahon-Helmsley era. <laughs> yeah, it's taken him, what, 20-odd uh, years? Yeah. But with that, I mean, we should probably, before we go into sort of the other bits, I mean, in terms of some of your favourite bits that you've probably seen so far during the Triple H regime as you know under creative... Probably, should we go through the returns first? Because there's been a lot. There's been a lot. It's a mixed bag, to be fair. I know it's a for some. Yeah, they've not all been top draw, but, you know, let's start with Bray Wyatt. Um, uh, It's not off well. I think it's great. Uh, it's, it's done all right. He said he had his first match back at the Boxing Day show in MSG, where he beat... Um, I can't remember who it is now, but he won a match. Apparently he got injured. Minor injury, not a bad injury. He has been, you know, away from a ring for a long time in terms yeah. of competing. And obviously people are annoyed that they've done that at a house show and not a, uh, like they're not waiting until Rumble. But you, you need to have a match. Yeah, but, but more to the point, it's been a long time. Yeah, you need, you need to get, so, even, even a 30 second match, whatever, you've got to get in the ring. Um, so yeah, Bray. Uh, wish it wasn't all promos at the minute, but the story is going well. I say with LA Knight and see, I love the the story element to it. Is I, I like that we're not going to just rush into the match with Bray. It's going to be a huge deal when it finally happens on Rumble, presuming a, a premium live event. Rumble's the idea. Yeah, and that's the problem. That's probably the thing with the one problem about having. War Games and Royal Rumble being so far apart, it's that you can't really have them fight too much before then because it doesn't feel special enough. No, exactly. But I think there's enough story. Again, it's one of those like if we if we trust the process, let's see what happens because it's still it it's it's difficult sometimes. It's easy, I should say, to jump on something sometimes and say, "Look, this isn't working. This is I don't get it," but. Like I say, like we are under this new regime now, and I think that we we do need to sort of allow a bit of leeway for Triple H to tell stories over a longer period of time. But we have become conditioned as a WWE audience to not expect things long run or long term mm, because things do get dropped at the you know the drop of a hat. They do end up being sort of fairly quick things. We don't tend to see very much long-term storytelling 
or at least we haven't for the past sort of 10 or so years, you know, in, in Vince McMahon's vision of, of WWE. So it is one of those. Like, I still think we should trust it and just see what happens. And if, you know, in a year, two years' time, we're saying, actually, no, I don't really get it, that's fine. That's fair enough. We've allowed a bit of time. Triple H hasn't been in the position as head of creative for a year yet. It's what, five? It's barely been six months, yeah, I think. five months, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not even been six months. Something like that. So, you know, let's let's just let's see how it goes. But I like it. And LA Knight was a return Technically, effectively yeah. to LA Knight, you know, from Max, uh, Dupree. Max Dupree, which I didn't overly mind, but you know it was something different. When you see how good LA Knight is at the moment, and I I know this is a criticism at the moment, saying, you know, LA Knight, Bray Wyatt's an odd pairing because LA Knight shouldn't be losing yet, and Bray's obviously not gonna lose yet. But I don't, I don't think this hurts. Like LA Knight has absolutely delivered in promos yeah. recent weeks. True. And and everybody knows, if, you, in, if you'd seen his work as Eli Drake, and especially through NWA, you know exactly the, type, the kind of top-tier promo that he has. And he's delivering that. And I think if he loses, fine, he loses. But A, he's on TV. Mm-hmm. B, he's getting time to cut his promos. And he's been put into... Bray Wyatt's been made to be a huge deal. Yes. And he's LA Knight's first feud. I think people need to sometimes like try to get their heads out of the the gutter with it and on always seeing like the bad in things and, and look at the positive of that. If LA Knight loses every feud going forwards, like what they've done effectively for years with Ziggler. Yeah. I'm... You know, like Ziggler was one of those, like it's... And it wasn't Ziggler's fault... I love Ziggler, and in the ring he was—he's great, and he was like everybody's kind of like, oh man, Ziggler, this could be the breakout year. But the trouble was, it just went on for so long with Ziggler that, as as an audience, you don't see that credibility in him anymore. Because if the company doesn't show him to be a credible challenger or performer or someone that you really necessarily should give a shit about, you stop giving a shit about them. And it's not against the it's not against the talent, but it's just that's that's the way you're being promoted on the show. So it's you know it's hard to invest in a character like that. And next year will be the tenth year since that Money in the Bank cash in and then the concussion that basically ruined his. I don't want to say it ruined his career because he had moments afterwards, but it kind of ruined him as a possible contender for the title. It, never, it, yeah. it was never the same again in that way. No, you never quite yeah, reached he, back to that. Yeah, he won the, the that big Survivor Series match with the Authority and Team Cena, but that was probably his last big thing, I'd say. Uh, well, winning the NXT title. Mm, that was this year. Which was this year, but um, yeah, you know, if it if it ends up being something like that down the road, fine, fair enough. But it, it can't call that yet. That stuff's been happening to Ziggler for years and years and years, you know. <laughs> he might become LA Knight again again within months so it's just far too early to call anything um, but yeah that's that's probably the biggest return of the year I'd say with Bray Wyatt would you agree with that? Uh, no Scarlet Scarlet <laughs> they got Karrion Cross. oh yeah Karrion was there too but yeah. Scarlet did, yeah. you, did you hear about this <laughs> him and him and Drew Gulak had a match on this Boxing Day match a Boxing Day card in MSG and they were, apparently this is boring chance throughout the match. So that's not working out too well, is it? And who was the boring chance to? Well, I would have thought Karrion Cross. It's a shame because I, I I like Karrion's new look. It's, you weird, know. it's still weird seeing him with hair. I thought I, it was awesome when he came out. Um, 
When he beat up Drew on that SmackDown yeah. after, I think it was a SmackDown after SummerSlam. I might be wrong on that one. Or it might be around that time. But yeah. And then you come back to the Crash at the Castle when you throw a bottle at the, in the main event and that was it. No, but even then, so I, I still thought, because he's still being injected into the main event, just a different capacity. But The fact he beat Drew at Extreme Rules, only because of Scarlet's help, and didn't they have that steel cage match at Crown Jewel in it? Yeah. Drew, did Drew get the win back? I can't remember. He did. So yeah, and then they never had a real blow off to that. But now he's kind of going for Rey Mysterio. So I think that that could work quite well. Um, we'll have to see how he sort of squares up against like the smaller guys. That's probably maybe what he needs to look more of a threat. Because that's the trouble. Like Drew needed a win. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's one of those. I don't. I think it's again. It's far too early to write carrying off at the moment. A little um, bit, but it's because I think more people. It's and people have said it, and I find it's true. It's another Miro slash Mike Marrow type thing where put the beautiful woman with him, and they care about the woman. Yeah, but then have <laughs> apart from probably Matchman and Elizabeth, married couples in wrestling do not work. Ah, uh, I don't know, man. The thing is, though, and this is this is what I'm talking about when I say that, like sometimes it's just you can't. Like, where is the balance then? Where's the line? Because Karrion Cross, people loved him by and large in NXT. No different. It was it was still the pairing with him and Scarlett. Goes up to the main roster, becomes some gimp gladiator, loses to Jeff Hardy in under thirty seconds or whatever it was. Yeah, in his first match on Raw. It becomes very apparent that they are not going to be using Carry in the same way that he was presented in NXT. And it all fell apart. And one of the biggest criticisms was, well, where the hell is Scarlett? Obviously, we did learn eventually because they did uh, an interview. I don't know if it was the first time they mentioned it or not, but where I saw it was on Renee Paquette's um, Oral Sessions podcast where she she interviewed Carry and Scarlett before the return. Mm. And she said about she'd had like a, an injury... And things like that. So, um, but th- people were saying, "Well, he's, he's just it f- he feels a bit lost without Scarlet." And I, th- I, 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 it's not not to discredit him, but the carrying cross package works with Scarlet. Yeah, that's how most of them work now. Yeah, but 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 that that's fine. I don't see anything wrong with that. And if people really like Scarlet, cool, man. Like at least it's bringing people to the brand. Like. Your brand is carrying cross and scarlet. Your but when was the last time someone like the manager, not the um, like just want to watch a show just because of a manager? Yeah, but I'd argue that that was a that I'd argue that happened a lot during te- even territory days, like Bobby Heenan, Jim Cornette, Paulie Dangerously. Like you managers want, were. You just want to see them get beaten up and their wrestlers get beaten up. You didn't want to just. It wasn't anything else than apart from that. I hear what you're saying, but it, as I say, it's still too early because we don't we haven't learned much more about Carrying Cross as a character yet. He's only really had this one angle with Drew that was fairly short lived, and he's obviously come out on the losing end. We just need to see where it goes from here. I mean, I, I think he'll work better with Rey Mysterio because Rey Mysterio yeah. will be more to it. How, I, Maybe because the, the the two big boys clashing does it can work, but not with his, Drew, Drew and Drew's style is completely different to Karen's. Karen's style yeah. with Ray probably will, will will work better. 
it will show him off as more of a a, a dominant force. Yeah, because remember when he where he doesn't necessarily need Scarlet's. Not necessarily, but again, he is a heel, so there's, I, there's nothing wrong with it. When he debuted but, on NXT the first time, his first proper match was with uh, Champa, and he beat him in like five minutes. Yeah. And it was impactful. That's what it should have been more like. But then he kept getting injured in the, early, in the earlier days of NXT, and then the momentum had gone. The thing is, not everybody on the show needs to be main event, going for a title, wins a title. Not everybody needs to be that. You can have exciting personalities on a product, credible personalities on a product that don't win championships. <laughs> but you can. You can. It happened in the Attitude Era as well. And a lot of what happened in the Attitude Era was rubbish. But it felt really. Like, like, it was really like it was all entertaining, but you still cared about characters. But it felt like everyone in the Attitude Era won... At least one title. Yeah, the Huckle <laughs> title did did make it better for everyone, but well, even Vesper won a fucking title. <laughs> but no, Carrion. We'll see what happens with Carrion. Hit Row. You've just mentioned it's been a bit of an up and down one, um, but they are they obviously they've returned minus Swerve, uh, which they probably do suffer for. He was probably I think he was the standout for the group. Yeah, but that was that was crazy. Do you know what it felt like? It feels like a little bit like Mean Street Posse, but they've actually been actually more trained. <laughs> 2022 Mean Street Posse. But yeah, they returned. Uh, of course, we had EO Sky, formerly EO Shirai. I wouldn't call that a return. The Kota Kai is more than a return. Well, they were both technically... Well, EO was, was out on, of contract. Yeah, but she was still... And it was a call-up as well. So, I mean, it's a... That's a call-up, not a return. Well, it's a return to... Wrestling. That's true, then Champa was a return. <laughs> oh, yeah, technically. Uh, Johnny Gargano, of course, returned. And Candice. Candice, uh, yeah, Candice returned, and obviously both of them straight onto the main roster. Bit, bit, that's up and bit down. Slow. Yeah, a bit up and down. The Dexter Loomis stuff plays into it. I like that they've played in an NXT story to it. Yeah, I, I liked, I liked the, the, I've liked bits of, of the. Um, Champa, uh, not Champa, the um, Dexter Lumis story. Stuff. Is, but it's not, For me, I think that went on a bit long, actually. And that's, you know, that sounds a bit hypocritical because I, I do like a slow build, but that one felt a lot of the same, like week to week, before we sort of, the, the, it went anywhere the, else. The cage match where um, Dexter's under the ring with that camera shot. Yeah, that's that, funny. That was good. That yeah, was good. But that was good. But no, they, Dexter's, ba- Dexter's back and that's great. Then they brought in Jonah. Yeah. Bronson Reed. That's been, I think, the, the most guy, recent. The guy that beat Okada is now helping out Miz. I know people hate it, and I don't know what it is, man. People seem to really still rag on the Miz. Um, because he's mad to Maurice, that's why. Uh, yeah, but I, well... That's it. That's, what, that's just, another, that's just another Instagram thing. Is that why you're ragging on Carrion? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just don't, I don't really get it. I don't really get it. I think again, Miz is a he's a solid hand on WWE. But he should be. I re- he feels like after that talking smack promo and that really good IC title run he had about four or five years ago, it feels like he should have been a bit more. Like he was a champion not too long ago, like the world champion. Not in, in all in all honesty, one of the most forgetful things of WWE um, last year for me was him as the champ. It's only a couple of weeks, anyway. Exactly, but 
you know, in terms of what he's done this year, again, it, Miz is very... He brought in Logan Paul. Yeah, but exactly. That's turned out to be a huge yeah. thing. You know, what Miz does, I think, a lot of the time is really underappreciated, unfortunately. But, you know, and I know you can say, well, it didn't have to be Miz. I mean, you know, you can book it however you want. So anyone could have brought Logan Paul in. That's true. But it works with The Miz. Like, The Miz has those kind of... The, the Miz was the OG reality star, in my opinion, that's still active on the roster. Yeah. That kind of blends the old school reality with like what you know social media and everything that it is now. What what's deemed reality now, you know, and there there might be a story there down the road. But uh, you know, the Miz is the Miz, and I I don't I don't really personally understand all the hate for him. Bronson Reed's pairing with him again. Bronson's on TV though, isn't he? So yeah, um... would we rather he not be? Like what's I don't see the problem, but. Other returns, there has been so, so many, Sarah just through WWE alone. Uh, Sarah Logan, of course, yeah, with the Viking Raiders. Bahala now is the name, right? Because of God of War. Yeah. Um, you had return of Braun Strowman. Strowman was one of the bigger, sort of more surprising ones. I like, I like, I like to begin, I like, there's bits I like, like when he returned and beat up the tag division. Mm-hmm. When he beat up um, the maximum male medal. Because their expressions as soon as his music hit was so funny. Yeah. Um, his was a huge one. But aside from Bray, and I will say Bray was the biggest return, uh, at least the most exciting return, biggest, most exciting, but I think the most impactful return this year to WWE would have to be Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not wrong there. Has to be Cody Rhodes. Jay's favourite. Jay's favorite, all of our favorites. Oh, I love him. I love him really. I'm, I'm again. I, you go back to the beginning of the year and stuff, and even oh, well, more sort of last year, we'd have a right. Cody segment every show, and it's basically me, mainly me, ragging on him, because I did not enjoy the AEW stuff. I wasn't. It was really distracting me from like I, I just don't like this idea that like somebody can be so in control of their own character that you can make decisions that maybe aren't necessarily going to be best for the product. It's the whole point of having a booker, you know? And this is, I'm just saying, yeah, look what happened to WCW. Too much creative control isn't always a good thing, but again, striking that balance. Um, His run in WWE, unfortunately, cut a little bit short due to injury this year, but he did have a crazy, crazy match with Rollins at Hell in a Cell when you could see the the peck and everything. Oh, yeah. We can touch more on matches Um, towards the end of the show. The Rainier return itself. The actual return itself was probably is probably going to be one of the biggest moments for people of this year. And it was a really good match. Yeah, it was. All he said, never ever been in question. Cody is great in the ring. But I do think that the character that he was trying to portray in AEW will come across better in WWE. But I will also maintain, I think in time, if he keeps that same character, the people will turn. Oh, probably. Because we do. It's what we do. But... It looks like he'll be coming back very, very soon. Um, Rumble time, because that's predictable, yeah. typical stuff now. Every time someone gets injured... And it's back at the in, Rumble. Back at Rumble. <laughs> back at Mania. Or the night I broke Mania. my toe. Ah, screw it. I'll come back at Rumble. But yeah, it's massive, massive moment for Cody. And, you know, his departure from AEW, I'm not saying that this was the domino effect, like it was that that set everything off, but... In terms of like, if you look through a linear kind of timeline, it was like the first big piece of 
of a sort of ever falling house of cards for AEW this year. So mm. we should probably go over to Tony Khan's side of the the street. Um, AEW this year, Hash. What what happened? It's a mixed bag. It's it's a real mixed bag this year. Really mixed bag. I think it's easy to say it's their worst year they've had, but they've only been around for like, what four years. And that, and that's and that's something that you do have to take into consideration. It's still a very young company. Yeah. And so, like we'd said before on an episode a few months ago, you can't just write AEW off as like that's it. They're in the shitter. Can't be saved. And it, no, that's not. It's just not true. They're still a very young company. There's still plenty of people employed in that company that can turn it around. It's just whether or not Tony Khan is going to be able to have those honest sort of conversations with himself in the mirror and just go, look, occasionally he's going to have to put his hands up and admit that maybe he's not making the right decisions at the moment. And there are certain factors that have, I think, looked like they've they've probably um, affected his judgment in certain things. Yeah. You know, and you can't talk about AEW without talking about Brawl Out this year. It's been covered to death. Wow, so what we, happened? We will not stay on this for too long. We even had an old, a whole episode almost dedicated to it. Uh, so you can go back to check that out. But Brawl Out, of course, as everybody knows, the quick rundown was that AEW held the All Out pay-per-view from Chicago, uh, sort of more towards the latter point of this year. Punk won the championship back from Moxley, who was a sort of a placemat holder for it until Punk returned from injury. They held the uh, press conference, the post-media scrum, as they always do after one of the big shows. Well. <laughs> Punk goes in and he's ready for a fight. And it just turns out he got one with three uh, EVPs with producers mixed in. And then all of a sudden, Tony's having a... Uh, suspend everybody almost you know suspends his top champion suspends his three EVPs who have just become the inaugural trios champions he's having to suspend backstage personnel one person got fired the whole thing become a mess and it's just such a stark contrast from where they were at at least that point last year when All Out I think was the show last year the best show of, of best wrestling show of the year yeah definitely to then go one year later and it was just, it it was just like watching a demolition derby, just cars piling up on top of each other over the course of a weekend. And when I say about Tony making decisions that were probably poor judgment, just go and watch it. If you haven't watched it, you do just go and watch the scrum, because if you've ever seen a deer in the headlights, or if you've never seen a deer in the headlight, then that's about as close as it will get. Because Tony just sits there, the whole thing. Yeah. And then when other people come up for their interviews, bear in mind now the fight's going on and everything, and Tony's just sat there. Man, it's it's just really, really awkward. And it's just it doesn't look like very good leadership. No. Which is a massive shame. Um a massive, massive shame. But that's be- that's that's gotta be one of the that's gotta be the biggest down point, I think, isn't it, for AEW this year? Oh definitely. Um We don't know if Punk's coming back. No, seems unlikely. But there's uh, there's a rumor that he might be a, he might be WWE again. Which personally, I don't I don't want him back at all. But I don't think WWE needs him. AEW needs him. That's that's the thing. Whether you like the guy or not, I personally think he does seem like he's a lot of trouble. Like it just seems like every company he goes to, he'll eventually have a problem. 
He didn't need to do what he did at the scrum. Yeah. I get if he's annoyed, like, because it's not for us to say who was in the right or wrong with it in terms of what's been going on backstage, because we don't know, because we're not there. But he, I do think he was in the wrong for doing it the way that he did it, because he went for that journalist. Journalist was like, well, I'm not even Colt Cabana's friend, because that's how it kind of, that's how he yeah. tried to start it. But, you know, he went in with an agenda and he made sure he stuck to it, which ironically is like Tony Khan, because when Tony Khan has an agenda, he sticks to it. And that's it. Nothing else is going to matter because that was the plan. So it doesn't matter what else happens to derail it. He will get the car back on course and he'll get it back on the road and get it to where he, he wanted it to go to originally, which leads us to the problem that they've had this year with the interim championships. Oh, definitely. How many have they had? Uh, there was the men's, the women's. TNT had one. TNT had one. The very Two start of the year. Well, they had a few, yeah, between Sammy and Cody. Um, I think that's it, isn't it? It wasn't, a, it wasn't a tag one. No, but it's just, it's the sheer amount of them. Like, we've, we've done the interim championship stuff so much this year in AW that it's... I mean, it's confusing, well, you, and it's just kind of... It just seems a bit... Wasn't wasn't one of the TNT titles in because, uh, intro, only because Cody couldn't make one show? It was yeah, it was something weird, because it was around well, that time... Why are you doing a contenders match? You don't need to do a fucking interim title for no reason. I think it's just the idea of calling it an interim championship as well. Like That's where you really handy, um, handcuff yourself, because... Like, what's... What is an interim champion, then, in wrestling? Because if it's supposed to follow, like, the MMA format... Well, M- the MMA, it's getting rare now, the interim title matches, because it used to happen a lot, because there was a lot of injuries. Right. But you also... But bear in mind, within MMA fights, if you can have an interim champion, I mean, you've got at least an eight-week boot camp of training before each fight, and you're not always going to necessarily fight back-to-back events. No, it was... So, you know, an interim champion can be a champion for months and months. And in UFC, when they've done interim titles, they've counted them as world titles. Exactly. And but when you get the unification, it makes for a big fight. I don't think it really did... They did it that... Well, especially with the women's, because Tony Storm was interim champion for how long? Well, that's the same, but you can say the same about all of them. And that's why for me, it just didn't work because the interim championship, there, there wasn't a long enough time for someone to be an interim champion for to get behind them to the point where you would then care who walks away with the undisputed gold. I remember the days when it was, if you didn't, couldn't defend the title for 30 days, you got stripped the title. But And, that, and to be honest, that would have probably been better than what Hope they did here. Hope was out for longer than that many days. Was it 30 days or 60 days that used to be anyway? The, the first... Well, this is a, that's a WWE rule, mind you. So well, you can't you can't necessarily put the same stamp on AEW. Well, but the idea of stripping someone if you can't defend in X amount of days, I think was was fair. And again, look, you know, want to go along for the ride, not trying to be an armchair booker, but you know, from an audience perspective, if something is glaringly um, absurd for you on TV, like to the point where you because you have to you have to suspend disbelief in wrestling. You have to if you when you already know. What's going on, or at least you know you think you know what you think you know, um, you know within wrestling, like you have to suspend your disbelief, and it's really difficult to do that when it's just like, oh, what is this? Like, and it is it's a massive, massive shame because AEW's not had a bad year in terms of what they've put uh, that, on, that's it. like it's the not, product. It's been the worst year, but it's not like that they've not had like, a great year. It's no, just that 
the fact that most of their big show events have basically been built in the last week of TV. Mm-hmm. For indoor, great. I can't, but uh, we've got these matches. Oh, Okada's appearing at the last taping before the show. So, yay. I'm supposed to care about that match. And that's one of the biggest problems, I think, with that. You know, look at the Forbidden Door show this year. Should have been a really big... And, it. you know, I was excited for it, and I did enjoy it, it largely. But it was a cursed show. Yeah, it might be the last time we have a Madden Cole match. <laughs> well, I don't think it will be, but... I don't think it will be, but yeah. But it, then... was a, it was a cursed show. I mean, a lot of the planned matches... I mean, again, Punk injured, but we were supposed to be getting him and Tanahashi... Yeah. And that would have been a huge deal. But, you know, it's just one of those things. The whole Forbidden Door thing alone, though, well, like what you're saying there, bringing Okada out on the go-home show, that's, again, another judgment call that I think... It, I don't know if he's making... If that is actually the thought process behind it. Um, well, do you remember... But if, if it, it feels to me like sometimes it, Tony just relies too much on the hardcore fan base yeah. to just know who people are. Do you remember before pandemic that they were trying to get, like, Tahashi and Omega... Mm. And they're trying to get um, a card together with probably like um, whoever, like maybe Boxley, and then then the pandemic happened and it never came across. Yeah, but they, it's not like they've it's not like they've not had these new Japan people come in before. No, but then when they do come in, it's it's almost like. Like I'm saying, you kind of trust that the hardcore fan base is going to know who they are, so they'll give a shit. And then that will just carry you through. So, but no, like you, it's Okada. He's one of the best wrestlers on yeah. the face of this planet. He's easily the biggest star in New Japan, and as a, as by association, all of Japan, because that is Japan's number one promotion. Yes, and he has been at the top for a long time. And if you bring him out, I get it. There's probably a logistical issues like you couldn't just you know if they if he if he wasn't there in the country the week before two weeks before okay fine at least run vignettes yeah that's that's one thing i don't think that anyone does nowadays oh no they run vignettes they've run vignettes because this will lead me to my biggest irk this year for aw in terms of the on-screen product i know this has been very anti aw at the moment we will put some good things in there i do promise it's just (laughs) but the one this is what really irks me this year where is miro (laughs) where is miro you talk about vignettes you say they don't do them yes they do miro had amazing vignettes the whole redeemer stuff of my God has abandoned me. And it's just, it was all this kind of, it was crazy. It was like he was imploding in himself and it was brilliant. And I just thought, man, Miro's going to come out and he's just going to be a lunatic and he's going to wreck everyone. Nope. Yeah. Where's he gone? <laughs> What's he doing? Know. Lana's His recently wife. just done a, <laughs> yeah, well, fair play to him. Lana has, has done a, re, uh, Do say, CJ Perry. Yeah. She's done a, an interview recently saying, um, effectively that everybody ends up back in WWE at some point so whether he's Rusev or Miro or whatever basically just putting out there like yeah he'll be back in WWE well we thought about that as the black for a while but he's it's still early with the comeback from <coughs> as the black but did he swallow some of that black mist probably did to be honest but um what was it he said four matches Miro Miro it was something like that, yeah. I mean, and then, then the funny thing is, 
that he was they wanted to do it so full gear, but he said no, I don't want to lose. So that makes that makes even worse. That makes it worse. So that that is the story going about that Miro but that's refused my, to to lose. But, but that's then, not my favourite refused to lose story of the year. I I don't know. Again, I don't know how true it is. Is it professional? No. But then. Should I? It's really it's it's hard, isn't it? It's hard because it's hard to say something without becoming the, the armchair booker, which I'm trying really hard not to be. But I don't want to see Miro lose. Well, no. yeah, he's a big. He's a. Yeah, you he, can say he, that about you can say about any wrestler. You no, like. yeah, but but he should be going in there wrecking everybody. It's like Wardlow. Wardlow oh, shouldn't have Wardlow's, lost for a long Wardlow's time. Gone downhill now. And what happened to Wardlow? They've got to get past this. You know, by and large, they're very good at building people up for the chase to the title. But then when they get there, it's just like that's, you know, you're waiting for the next area to load in a game and it just isn't coming. It feels like they listen to the crowd a bit too much, but then they think that we know what we want, not what they want. Yeah. And and, and that's that balance, isn't it? Because again, for years, WWE wasn't really giving us what we really wanted. And then AEW almost sort of given too much of it. But then not having, but it's it's just odd. It's odd. Tony knows what he wants to do. Back to the point I was making earlier on. I did make this before in a previous episode. But you know, Tony wants the title on somebody. If they get injured or whoever they're working with gets injured or whatever happens, he'll do something else in the in the meantime. But then once the pieces are back in play, it's right back on course to put the belt on who he wanted it to go on in the first place. He said before. Ages ago, he knew from day one who his, four, his first four champions would be. It would be Jericho, then it would be Moxley, then it would be Omega, and then it would be Hangman. I don't think he did that. He said he knew that from day one. Nah. Now, if he, yeah, but if he did, think about that. Because that was that spanned the course of how many years then? Two years? Uh, so Jericho was 19... 19. Hangman won it last year at Full Gear in yeah. 21. So that's the span over the span of two years, and at the time I thought, "Wow, that sounds really cool!" Like he really has like a long term vision. But if that really is true, now looking at it, I can see where that's actually going to hinder. Yeah. Because if you've got your next stuff planned for the next however many years, dude, I'm being funny, but like a lot of shit can happen and change in that time. And it's like what we said in the last episode, doing naughty or nice about powerhouse hops. The guy's going to take off real soon. Starts is already on his way. Well on his way. You know, one of the biggest, one of the other, finally, my final issue with AEW this year, because I, I don't want to keep ragging on him, but the final issue is the Ring of Honor side of things. That hasn't gone well. It was a huge moment this year. Tony Khan purchasing Ring of Honor and coming out saying he bought it. Huge implications. And especially when we look at the Forbidden Door stuff, that AEW really has tried to... Uh, promote that they're kind of like at the, the forefront of this movement for the forbidden door like they're the ones kicking it down moxley was like the poster child for it and they've really kind of like tried to hammer home the fact that like the forbidden door this is where wrestling is now i i feel like the whole thing's just kind of botched because like you said they brought in new japan guys we're now at the point where i'm conditioned well new japan guys come in oh, i guess the match will be good but AEW guy's gonna go over that's what that's my, that the new Japan guy never does. What was it? Um, Ring of on was it the first Ring of Honor show that he bought? It was all AEW people that won. Yes, it was. was and it the uh, first and one I, or before he bought it. No, yeah. it was. Yeah, it was. 
but to be fair, and I, I said at the time I didn't necessarily see an issue with it because they were the established guys to a degree because they're under contract. And I, I, you know, I can see it from that point of view. Like, if you don't know necessarily if you're going to get all these other guys under contract, you don't necessarily want them going over your own talent. So, like, from a business perspective, like, I, I kind of get that. But that was for the very first show. Like, we're now at the end of the year. Ring of Honor effectively takes up a good, I would say, quarter, probably more than that, of, of every AEW show. Rampage is is basically Ring of Honor, which it should, which really should it be now? Seeing us, seeing us, well, uh, seeing us, Ring of Honor got a TV deal. I would rather, you know, yeah, I would, I would rather see the, the Rampage show just changed into Ring of Honor at yeah. this point to get it off the Dynamite product. And I know Tony said recently that twenty twenty three is going to have less Ring of Honor on his show. Good. There's well, stop so... having Claudio as a champion then. Stop having <laughs> well, Jericho no, as a champion that's then. That's fine, but then move them to another show. Give Ring of Honor its own thing. It only needs to be an hour, and that's what Rampage already currently is. So I don't know how you do it, but that's, you know, I, I just feel like maybe that's the route they need to be going down. Or just make it like a, even if it's just a bloody YouTube thing at this point, just do something separate with it. Just do something separate with it. You've got dark, dark elevation. Look, I'm not being horrible, but no, you don't need two dark shows. Yeah. You don't need two dark shows. It's like having heat and... Um, Velocity. Well, not like that. I'm going to say... Metal. Heat. Well, metal jacked. <laughs> but, um, yeah. But, like, but, but doing them all every week. Yeah. Like, you just don't and need they have, it. They have, like, nine matches on dark and then eight matches on elevation. And then... Yeah, and you, but you're bringing guys like Kenny <coughs> Omega onto those shows and stuff. Like, what? what is dark then? Because I thought Dark was meant to be... Well, I thought Dark would be like what Rampage is. Well, it's just... There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Wasn't the first Dark or the second Dark? They <laughs> had Omega, Omega versus Janela in that um, an unsanctioned match. It was like one of the first ones they did. Yeah, and it was really good. And But again, if you're debuting something new, you want eyes on it. So you want to be like, oh, wow, like they do some good stuff on this. It's worth giving it a go. Because mm. the trouble is with a lot of those secondary shows is you're always going to be like... No, oh, well, it's not the main one, is it? So it's worth missing if I have to. It's it, I just wish because Rampage the the ratings are pretty poor at the minute. But it's it's in a really bad time and slot. A, and, it has a, and it has a problem with being taped. This is the problem with SmackDown it's had taped, for so long. It's in a bad time slot. The problem I think with live shows from from what I hear from people that attend AEW live is that they film a lot all in one night, and it, like Dark gets filmed. I don't know if it's every time, but Dark at least has been filmed before Dynamite. And like I said, so, you know, people are there. Exactly, you know, and you're there for a long time. So by the time you actually get to Dynamite... I don't think it was this year, but one of my favourite moments on T- on AW was um, Punk said, oh no, Dynamite, oh, I'm going to be on Rampage. And people were like, boo. And it's like, <laughs> wait, hang on, we're going to have Rampage after the show. So yeah. But um, talking about Ring of Honor, and my one of my favourite Refuse to Lose moments when... Uh, uh, Jonathan Gresham. Yeah, I'm, I'm number eight in PWI top five hundred. I don't think I should be losing to Claudio. I just think I don't know if it was necessarily that he didn't want to lose to Claudio because of Claudio. Like I, I refuse to believe that. You know, Claudio absolutely deserves it. I just, but it, it is. But it's the fact that he's been defending that title like in progress and around America. I, 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 I honestly <coughs> just think it was, it was just a, it was a difference in vision. For what Ring of Honor? And now that Gresham signed for the Impact, and Tony Khan just recently said, "Oh yeah, by the way, 
impressions on Impact. I know, he's been on Impact for like the last month or so. It's a super missed opportunity, but at the same time, I'm kind of I am glad that Gresham didn't end up in AEW because we are at that point. AEW has become oversaturated. Vince McMahon, the, the Vince McMahon conspiracy plan has come to fruition. He released all of those people, knowing that Tony Khan had eat them all up and get too bloated then to, to make any real progress this year. Well, some, that's some, have worked, some haven't. It's just the way of wrestling works. <laughs> it is, but, you know, in terms of positives, though, from AEW, again, the, the week-to-week product on Dynamite, does is it has good stuff on there. Yeah. It has good stuff on there, but there is just too much content to consume. And, again, they rely too much on a hardcore fan. Um you know, I, I used to I used to enjoy being the elite, but it was more for you know with Brody, the Dark Order stuff on there and things like that. They kind of made that thing for me. But I would watch it every now and then as like light-hearted humor. You know, there's not much going on, or I'm doing something, I'll stick it on. I shouldn't have to be putting being the elite on to understand other things that are going on, and and that should be the case with anything that's on YouTube really effectively. Yeah, it's, you know, so I, I just. That side of things for me, there's just a bit too much. I think you just have to take some of the matches as they are, um, you know. In it's still a bit smarky for my taste, but that's yeah. But that's that's the audience they're they're going for, isn't it? The only trouble is is that you you won't grow an audience like that because people that are already in that kind of smart territory, like we're there anyway, aren't we? Like you're, you know, if anything, the fans are there to lose. If you keep putting that same product on, like you want to be trying, like they've gone from sort of bringing back the lapsed fans to now just keeping the hardcore satisfied. Like they've built up enough of their own hardcore fan base. Mm. I feel that as long as they're keeping them now, they'll have a steady number. But of course, you know, with the punk thing, they've they've lost a lot because a lot of people came back in really just because of punk. Yeah, you know, he was their biggest draw. Like like I say, like like him or not, he was their biggest star. So you know. I don't know. It's it's been a really crazy ride for AEW this year. Really crazy. Um, um, before we talk about anything else, I've got some breaking news. Sad news. Oh, it'll no. probably be a transition. Uh, Don West has died. Oh, that's real. Oh man, that's a, what that's just come out now. Yeah, the last few minutes. Oh man, because he had can- he had some kind of cancer. I didn't read it all the way through, but he, I know he had. Some uh, health issues in the past year. It sounded like it felt like he was getting better, but yeah, it's died unfortunately. Man, that is really sad. Don West. Yeah, the, one of the one of the best moments of like mid two thousands impact really. Yeah, was a commentary. Oh, man, and that, that is really sad. And another sad thing. He's the he's the um, the name the person who came up with the Pele kick. Oh, was it him? Yeah, he was the one who called it first. Oh, because wow. of, Because it was AJ Styles to be backwards kick, which he called the Pele kick. So, yeah. Should also put out um, a rest in peace to Pele as well. Yeah. Very Passed away word. this week. Um, to be honest, I mean, this was a point I was going to do this a bit later on, but I mean, the news has come out there, but, you know, we did, we, Don West, man, that's mad. Mm. We've lost, we lost other greats this year. We lost Scott Hall. Yeah, that was that was happening while we were recording as well. So yeah, Antonio Inoki, yeah, of course, legend in Japan, the founder get, of New Japan, going to get a tribute match at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, rightfully so. Jean Labelle, yeah, of course, you know if you've heard of the Labelle Lock, then that's where that came from, and two 
uh, iconic referees for WWF, which was uh, Tim White and Dave Hebner. Yeah. Um, so again, rest in power to everybody and Don West. Oh man, that's sad. It is. You know, but I would do a Don West impression, but I don't want to blow everyone's ears off. No, <laughs> Don West is Don, Don. Don West is one of those as well. Like it's kind of fortunate in a way sometimes when you have really just you can get an announcer who's just synonymous with a promotion. Yeah, and him being synonymous with TNA is nice because like. I think every company has at least one guy that's like, yeah, that's the voice of, depending on the generation. And I think TNA, for me, is easily Don West. WWE's always going to be Jim Ross. Yeah. However, Michael Cole's there. And, and for newer, you know, for, for younger people, I could see Michael Cole's going to be the voice for them. And that, you know, obviously he's been Booker there for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> And then even you know before us, it's probably like Monsoon and Monsoon. Monsoon and Heenan still one of the greatest pairings of all time. Um, but you know AEW, I think it's weird because like Shivani's kind of the voice of WCW, but they, yeah. but AEW's got that hi- hybrid of having him and Jim Ross and ex- it, AEW would feel a bit weird without Excalibur now. Yeah, but the best part, I'd like him what, or not, my favorite part about AEW is Excalibur and Taz because it's just having yeah. so much fun. It, they feel like the the, like the 2000s era of, of Smackdown with Cole and Taz mm. when they would just have fun a lot of the time and, um, and, and that's what wrestling's meant to be man you've got to have fun right yeah if um, going back to Don West I would recommend there's a work shoot promo he does with, to uh, Mike Tenay because um, it was close about it was close before Don West was going off commentary and he says like there was a meeting and Mike Tenay was there and Don West contract came up and Tenay didn't Speak up about trying to keep him on the broadcast, and, and yeah, it's a good, it's a good promo. I recommend it. Also, Don play West. the Impact game for Don West soundbite. They're brilliant. Don West, man, rest in power, and rest in power to everybody else yeah. who was sadly lost this year. Well, we'll close out the first hour, Ash, with uh, <laughs> told you <laughs> one last Forbidden Door thing. I just wanted to put out there. WWE did have a bit this year because obviously Mickey James entered the Rumble with as the, Impact Women's Champion. With the title. That's it. Um, might be seeing some more going forwards. Obviously, we're not going to talk about it much now because we're talking about 2022. 2023 is nearly upon us. Wrestle Kingdom is going to be a humongous show from what we can see, so we will be covering that. The actual Forbidden Door. That's, yeah, you said it. Um, so we will get to it. But first hour, I think we've done a lot of the, um, I would Bigger be, bits. I think there's a lot more, but I th- yeah. I feel like some stuff's going to come up in our little awards here. Yeah, I would like to talk about Impact more, but I just don't watch it. Uh, let's be honest. Impact hasn't really done anything major this year. No, but it's not done anything bad either. It's just it's sort of just been there, and I'd rather it be there. Hey, was this year the Tommy Dreamer? Was weren't it? That was the only really thing with Impact that happened that was bad. Oh, that was last year, wasn't it? It's either this year or It's last really year. hard to recall some things, isn't it, once you're at the end? Yeah, because it's like, was Ric Flair this year, last year? It's like... Someone's... Well, Ric Flair's last match, but... Well, I was going to say the story. But... Last match of 2022. Oh, you're talking about the... Uh, yeah, the last match. So was Ricky Steamer's last match for now. Which was good. Apparently. From what was... I saw, he, was, he, was, he, did, he did... Yeah, he did well. It turns out, apparently, just a side note to that, because he, he, obviously, Flair wanted him. Yeah. I think he he was on board with it until he realised Flair's wearing a pacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't want to touch anyone wearing one either. You know, that's again nothing against Rick, but I don't want that on my conscience mm-hmm. if something happens. You know, so I get it. 
But yeah, we're gonna. We're probably gonna talk a bit more about certain individuals and things coming up now. So okay. it's time, Ash, for the TMOF Wrestling. This is the most prestigious awards. These are. Oh, definitely. The TMOF Wrestling Pro Wrestling Roll Up Awards of twenty. 20- 22. The categories will be as followed and in this order. We will have the man of the year. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily have to be a wrestler. Okay. It probably will be. Right. But there's man of the year, woman of the year, tag team of the year, faction of the year. We can add manager of the year in. No, because I can't think of any managers about them for him. There will be no manager of the year, but there will be promo of the year, show of the year, Match of the Year and Company of the Year. Right. And I feel as though, based on the first hour, we probably have a good idea how that last one's going to go. Maybe. But we'll see, won't we? So we'll begin with Man of the Year, Ash, who... If you've just got one, go ahead for it. But if you had a few in mind... Uh, There was only one person in mind for me. And I'm not the only one who said this. And it's got a lot of... People do maybe not. Seth Rollins. I 100% see that, yeah. He's had an incredible year. He really Wrestling has. Wrestling-wise, promo-wise, he's been amazing. Probably me. even personal life as well, yeah. you know. he's Him and Becky are married. They've got a you know, beautiful baby girl. And he's had probably, arguably, one of the, the best years of his career. Yeah, even when he was out... The champion for a lot of the 2018-19? Yeah, which really is a testament as well when you consider that even, even because like, of the like Roman holding both world titles in that company, yeah. for, for Rollins to have one of the best years he's had. And this is a guy that was from S.H.I.E.L.D. from day one. This yeah. is a guy, like you said, 2018. He had all the stuff with Brock and I don't know. Yeah, I think he's, he's kind of... I, it just feels like he's had no, no bad... Moments like we talk about the Cody bits. Yeah. The beginning of the year with Roman at the Rumble when he comes up with the Shield music. Yeah. Uh, stuff with Kevin Owens. Every one of his rivalries has felt like they've yeah. mattered. The Riddle, the yeah. Crash, and Extreme Rules. Yeah. Having the bangers with um, Bobby Lashley. The stuff that he's got going on with Theory as well. Yeah. It, 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 he's definitely had an awesome year and he's he's gone between heel and face and yeah, he's not tweening been, yeah, and yeah he's not been winning all the matches but that doesn't matter to me and but and, and that again isn't it that's a testament like Rollins actually lo- Rollins probably lost more premium live event think, matches I this year think than in he's the won. whole of the year he's lost the most matches but he's been in like a match every week so that's probably why but again, but in terms of the on-screen presentation he's still credible yeah and that's it isn't it like you don't need the 50-50 book in Rollins has cemented his place, I think, as one of the top guys. It's unquestionable. He's he's been there for a while. Yes. But this year definitely has cemented it. It's 10 years since the Shield debut. Which is crazy to think. Crazy to think. But again, you know, WWE you kind of have to look at in two halves because you've got the, you know, SummerSlam was the real kind of like, this is it. Like, things are going to start changing now because of the Vince thing and Triple H taking over of creative and things. Um but, you know, we've really seen shifts and stuff. But Rollins was already doing really well. And I think, if anything, it's just that further proof that, like, yeah, Triple H really does see Rollins as, you know, the guy. The product would suffer without Rollins. So I can see him being uh, a contender for it. If I had to, if I had to, if I watched, like I said, if I watched Impact, I would probably say Josh Alexander because he's had, apparently, from what I've been seeing, like, really good year. 
Um, the longest reigning, he's, I think he's now the longest reigning Impact champion of all time. He's he's Josh Alexander's had a hell of a year, and I think you know to to go through. I, I I've got mine. I, I know who mine's going to be, um, but you know, in terms of like, if we look at like the the people that are notable for the category for this very prestigious award, mm. um, yeah, Josh Alexander, I think easily is the standout from Impact. He really is carrying that company and he's doing a really, really good job of it. Um, I think over in AEW, for me personally, I think it's got to be Moxley. I, I, if it was, yeah, if I go by company, Moxley would be my AEW one. But now, I, not because, and again, not because he's wrestler of the year. He's, he's out of the men, man of the year, at least in, in AEW, j- contender for it. Just because, again, the interim stuff was bollocks. We've been through it, but... He was there. The guy wanted a break. The guy was, you know, but but he was there. The company felt like they needed to rely on Moxley and that he was the guy that they needed to rely on during all of this crap. And he did it. And I think that's a a testament. This was a guy that last year came out of rehab, Mm. you know, and he's been trusted with, with this really kind of, you know, shit task at a point where the company's at its lowest that it's been yet in its very short time span um but you know he did the absolute best he could with it and and who else but moxley really could it have been well that's it there's no one else you know so moxley carried aw on his back and he he's dragged it through the you know as absolute best he can so he's absolutely a contender I, I i've got to say i think my my pick for man of the year has got to be Sami Zayn. that's fair it's got fair. to be Sami Zayn. He's had a trim. This has been, I think, what we said about Rollins for you. Mm. Completely agree, because uh, it is one of his best years that he's ever had. But I think this is the best year that Sami Zayn has had so far, at least within WWE, probably ever throughout his career. In terms of you know, on a, on a big stage, he had one of the what what I think is one of his best matches ever at Mania. Definitely. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but. <laughs> Come on, like wrestling's supposed to be fun, and he was in there with guys who were not trained wrestlers. He was in there with Johnny Knoxville, not a trained wrestler, not even a young guy, no. right? But they pulled off this really. It had no right being as good as it was, but no. it was a really entertaining match that you can watch over and over again, and you'll get enjoyment out of it. If it's for you, if you absolutely hate everything to do with it, you're not wrong. It's your opinion. It is a bit sad that you won't see the good side of it. But that, for me, was a big, big thing. And then everything that's happened with the bloodline. Yeah, but it feels like there was a gap for me personally between that there was, and... There was a gap. There was a gap, but the but the gap doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because of how impactful his role has been with the bloodline and just how over he's gotten. Yeah. We've seen how over he... And again, you well, remember, this has all happened in the Triple H bit. Triple H has taken over now and, and Sammy's really kicked off in this era. Triple H obviously has always seen something in Sami Zayn. Look at Sami Zayn in NXT. Yeah. He's he's that guy is is a he's a baby face man. And it's it's gonna it's gonna really kick off, I think, next year for him. But this year, for me personally, I think was Sami Zayn's year. So for me he was man of the year. That's fine. But I just wish I don't run in the Tinder the ground that you see bits. <laughs> Man, you just ain't oozy. No, it's just it's that 
it's it's got I've just got a feeling like if they repeat stuff over and over and over again, then it won't be the same every time they say it. But the crowd are chanting it. Yeah. It, who was it? I think it might have been Wardlow against Brian Cage. <laughs> yeah. And they were chanting, you're not Usy. Man, you got to love that. It's like, it's the hostile, if it makes its way into other companies, it's that hostile takeover from the crowd. But like, it's done in like, it's just, a, it's a nice way. Mm. It's a nice, that's a nice forbidden door, right? You know, it's not hurting anybody. It's just, it's good. I like things getting over. I'm not aware of it being over. I just don't want it to be like oversaturated. Like, nah, man. Sammy won't let that happen. Sammy's a pro. You got to remember, he's been doing this for a long, long, long Very time. Long time. Man of the year. What about Ash? Woman of the year. Who was woman of the year for you? Probably wants to say Bianca. Mm-hmm. Probably wants to say Rhea. I see that. What well, it, it's again? It's very WWE orientated, isn't it? Yeah, I mean Jade. Yeah, you've been undefeated the whole year, but um... Jade Jade's a good contender for it. The only thing I'd say about Jade is that she's it's kind of gone. She looks great. Yeah, but it's it's kind of like losing steam a little bit. Not her fault. No, not her fault. She, but who? You know, eventually you're going to run out of people to put her up against. That's and, that, and that's that's the issue yeah, when you've got two time, women's champions. And there's been times where it felt like it should have ended like well, Athena. Three, actually, Athena should have been yeah. one, or maybe not not tied before she turned. But there's not been that. There's just not given a. I I, I I think Jane's had a really good year. In and and think about everything we've been saying about AEW. Anyone that's had a really good year in AEW in 2022 is probably elevated slightly more just because of how. You know, overall, bad of a year AW's had yeah. in comparison to, and it's that's only by contrast because they've they they've been everybody's like white hot baby face company for two to three years, and then it just sort of like oh you know, well it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Bam, 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 bam. I can say something about if you hurt my friends, <laughs> you hurt my pride. <laughs> I can say the same thing about Brit as well. Where it's been like an up and down year because it felt like she, she was, when she was champion and then she beat Thunder, uh, was it Revolution? Yeah, Brit's almost been like a reserve this year, hasn't she? She's great, yeah, she's an absolute mainstay of the product. Again, it, it had hurt without her on it. And, but... I'm, and I'm a bit annoyed with Sheeta being the first challenger every time there's a new champion. No, you say the same about Nyla with stuff as well, yeah, isn't it? It's like, no, J- Jade probably it, within AEW. I think though, Jamie Hater again, like we said, Jamie's that's, great. That's but, only for like but for the months. year, exactly. I think if we're talking about the year, nobody in AEW stands out to me really. Nobody in Impact really stands out to me. Jordan Grace has had a good year, but once again, like I don't watch Impact, so I can't say that. And that's the biggest problem is it's always going to be tricky for somebody from an Impact to kind of make something like that. And again, it's your own list, so you do it how you want. But like. It's based on eyes that are on that product and how big of a deal somebody's made to be. I never know, but maybe because of the timing. Mandy Rose, because she had a good run as champion. She's, well, she's woman in a year for some. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Roxanne Perez, from where she was at the beginning of the year to now. Oh, sure. Uh, For me, you've already said the name. I'm going to give you my woman of the year. Mine is Bianca Belair. I'll go for Bianca, actually. I'm going to go Bianca Belair uh, because... From the booking standpoint of it, in terms of you know how she's presented, Rhea's had an incredible year, absolutely. And but it's the, never... Judgment Day would not be 
as good as it is without Rhea. However, like however, exactly. Dom's really the the factor into Judgment Day that's that's really changed not, it. Not Finn Balor like they thought it would be. No, but I, he might have a big year. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But no, Bianca's had. Because what surprised me the most about it, and this is one of those things where like you just sometimes it's it's good to be wrong in wrestling. But even when I was like really kind of hardcore on NXT, and Bianca was sort of just coming through, like you could always tell, like she was super athletic. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's built. She's just built. Her yeah. shoulders like are like boulders. She's like she can you can tell that she is a pure athlete. But there wasn't anything really there that that was like oh she's gonna be like I never ever saw like that's gonna be like one of the faces of the women's division to come. Not I, the beginning. I, not not in a bad way, but I just didn't see it. The what the, I tell you, the first time I really took eyes on her it was the build up for Mania thirty five. I think it was well thirty six. the first one with uh, last year? No, the first one in the pandemic. Oh, it's 36, that would have been. 36. Yeah. 30, which no. One? 35. 36. Whichever one. <laughs> the, first, the first one, the pandemic, before the, when there was no crowd. Yeah, 36. And the build-up on NXT between Rhea Ripley and uh, Charlotte. Mm. And Bianca was in the in the ring as well because she was going to have a match with Rhea at the takeover before that, before Mania. For the, yeah. And... River P and Charlotte are just talking to each other and Bianca's like I'm, by the way I'm here I'm not invisible that's the first time I'm doing this in the phone going I can see a, I can see a star soon and that, but that's what I mean like it wasn't there for me when I was watching her as much in NXT and you got to remember I, I switched off a bit from the product as well um, for a couple years worth like from 2018 mm. like the only thing I was even really watching then was NXT but you know, for me, it was like where it really solidified was the match last year, Mania with Sasha. Who? <laughs> but it is, man. And I, I've, you know, for me, that, because that was still, we never, we didn't do like a, an award thing like last year, but like, no. I, I think last year that would have been a real strong contender yeah. for match of the year for so many different reasons, you know. But man, yeah, that, that was it for me. And I think this year she's just. Bianca Belair is it. Like she, yeah. she, she's the EST. Like that, it's a gimmick, but it, but it ain't. No, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's true. And I love watching her. So I said this before, like when we were saying like they show some of them like bits of like her, her life growing up. And I said, oh, that'd make a really good documentary. And then I was recently just watching uh, WWE 24 and they're always really good. Yeah. Um, but WWE 24's uh, documentary from um, WrestleMania, uh, I believe it would have been last year's. Last year's, yeah. It was, yeah. So it was last year's for her and Sasha, and the bits of her going through her life. Man, how can you not get behind somebody like that? That's mm. come, you know. And then to be as good as they are, it's just crazy. And it also, I think, really should be helping to change people's minds, like my own as well, when it comes to bringing in people that aren't necessarily from the indie scene or a wrestling background. I think Bianca's proof that like you don't have to be a like you don't have to grow up like we have like we've loved wrestling for our entire lives like as kids and the same as like a lot of the lifers in WWE like they they grew up watching wrestling loved it as kids and pursued their dreams to become pro wrestlers and that's that's fucking awesome yeah but it just goes to show you don't it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be that way you don't have to come from the Indies you don't have to have been a lifelong Bianca Belair wasn't she said she wasn't. Her brother watched it more than she did. She wanted to run in track and compete in the Olympics. 
And you look at guys like Bobby Lashley and how great Bobby's doing. Bobby wasn't a lifelong fan. It's there. And, and you know, if, if, the, if the mindset is still that you have to be a lifelong wrestling fan to, to make it in the industry, otherwise, you know, because you know what wrestling's like. It's always tribalism. And we're always a bit, even as fans, like we're a bit kind of like, you know, don't touch our shit. Like we'll shit on it because we like yeah. wrestling. But don't you shit on it because you don't know shit about it. <laughs> like that's just how it is, isn't it? But I just, for me, man, Bianca's just... She's set a new bar, and it's going to be real tough to break that bar. But woman of the year for me, and for you. Yeah. There, there, have been, there have been moments when the crowd were against her, but that's because of Bailey's return. And yeah, because people are going to cheer Bailey, aren't they? Well, we did. We, yes, we did. <laughs> Bianca Belair, so we've agreed on that one. Yeah. All right, then, Ash, what about tag team of the year? It's Tricky. Easy, it's easy to say Usos. It's easy because they've been champions for all the year, like with Bella and like Roman, which we didn't talk about. But yeah, from an on-screen perspective, Usos definitely a strong contender. I want to say FTR, but they've been bit mixed again. So <laughs> this is the thing for me: FTR is my favourite tag team right now. Mm. I think they're the best in the world. Yeah, they are. They really are. They're, nobody touches FTR, and so it's not. It just doesn't happen. They are the best and again another one that's proven me wrong one of the things i was i wanted to say about bianca actually and then i kind of went on my massive rampage but um one of the other things i got proved wrong with was that i just never saw bianca as a heel uh, as a face sorry like she did so well as a heel yet she's now like especially knowing like her backstory which obviously is what it's designed to do like that's why they're letting us know but like i just didn't i just never imagined she'd become such a good baby face and it's the same for ftr that's a heel tag team that always works yes. heel tag team psychology. Yet somehow, as a babyface tag team, they just they just fucking work. And I can't I just don't get it. But it's amazing. Um but, but but are they tag team of the year based on how they've been used on their own products? Because that's really. the that's the problem. That's the problem for me. They've had a hell of a year. They've had a hell of a year. So maybe in theory they they really should be tag team of the year. I mean, look, they they didn't win them this year, but AAA tag titles. They won the Ring of Honor tag titles this year. Uh, then did, they did lose them. They won the IWGP. But they can, now they've now they've lost the AAA. They've lost Ring of Honor. They might possibly lose at Wrestle Kingdom. Potentially, yeah. But I just. You know what? I'm going to go for it. FTR. I think I'm going to go for it. I think I'm going to go FTR. Once no no other tag team accomplished what they did this year. No. Once again, like we said, if a claim had been the claim all the way through the year, they probably would have been my number one. But because they've not, I can't say that. It's been awesome. Because like, uh, I do. I love the acclaimed. Everyone loves the acclaimed. Yeah. Insert copyright. But um, it is just just in terms of what, what's been... It's just weird because it doesn't feel like... Bianca was obvious for me. Sami Zayn was obvious for me. And FTR, I just... It, it's just weird because, it, again, I suppose it's because it, it's looking at them on, on just one program. Like, if you only watched AEW Dynamite, mm. FTR probably aren't a massive deal. For no. a casual fan that only watches that one product, right? That one TV show. They're probably not because they're not really billed as being like a big... And that's why I love like seeing opinions and hearing from people that are casual fans because most of the time they're going to actually... They've got a better opinion than anybody else because they're looking at it through 
one single lens of one single product, not knowing anything else that's going on, you're literally just forming opinions based solely on the one thing that you've just been watching. Mm. And for me, FTR, on that basis, from casual fans' perspective, um, for people I spoke to, that FTR is just not seen as a big deal. Young Bucks are still pushed as a massive deal. Yeah. Acclaimed have been pushed as a big deal. Swerve and Our Glory have been pushed, you know, fairly. I know, obviously, it's all sort of imploded now, but um, most of it was on Rampage, but still, they're there. And FTR, not really so much. No. So, but I, I think they've got to be. Tag Team of the Year. I'd say so. What about Faction of the Year? Bloodline, let's get it even done with. Bloodline, Faction of the Year. There's no one else. No, there this, isn't. There, I think um, Loss and Goblin Arbery, I'll never get this right. Loss and Goblin Arbery, no blah, 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 you know what I mean. I think I, I think I, I never mean. say it properly. You can try it. I ain't trying it. <laughs> Japan, I, like, you got to remember, you know, they, they've had a, an interesting year. Because um, Bullet Club aren't Bullet Club anymore. No. Big changes there. I think, you know, Judgment Day's done really well, but not factional year. Um, over in AEW, would Texas Toxic Attraction count? Yeah, I mean it could be any any faction, but it, it, again, I suppose like it depends how you want to look at it. This whole reason why we picked FTR is that we're picking like nobody did what they did this year. Yeah, regardless of how their own company promoted them or didn't promote them, um, you know, FTR went out and showed the world that they are the best, and there is no dispute. And I think the bloodline, realistically, I mean, like you say, the bloodline's helped elevate everybody. Solo Sokoa, by association, big dude now. Yeah. The name means something. Sami Zayn is, is absolutely... Although Sami's injected a lot into the bloodline, the bloodline already being such a big top-tier main event unit because of Reigns also then helps elevate Sami. And you've got the Usos that are on their own massive monster streak at the moment and... You know, everybody on that team, everybody in that faction means something. And I think that's why I can't pick an AEW faction for Faction of the Year. Even though there's like a thousand of them. Yeah. But you can't name anywhere everybody means something. You know, because you could look at, say, Jericho Appreciation Society, but, you know... It's only Jericho. It's just Jericho. I know we like, like... I love Garcia. I, you, everyone knows how much I love Daddy Magic and Cool yeah. Hand Down. They're, they're brilliant, but... It's only Jericho that gets the elevation. That, and that's, that, that is it. Like oh, Jer- and J- Jake Hager's hat. And Jake Hager's hat. Whereas the bloodline, Roman is very clearly top dog. But everybody else still... He's the big dog. But everybody else still benefits and they seem like a big deal yeah. in there. You know, and then, and again, like we could say maybe the BCC, but that's all kind of like... That's had a really kind of rough year, like on and off. Um yeah, it's Bloodline. It's got to be the Bloodline. No, it's the just... Bloodline. The Bloodline wins Faction of the Year. Now, we're going to move now into Promo of the Year. Hmm. Now, what can be tricky with these sort of things is that we're pr- it's easier to recall things that have happened in the last few months as opposed to you know what's been going on at the, maybe the beginning part of the year because it was so long ago and who remembers that? Well, yeah, because I got I got mine in mind some like MGF and Punk stuff, but was that this year or last year? It would have been this year, but there was some stuff from last year, I'm sure. End of last year, towards anyway. the end, yeah. 
because the the promo about the dog collar match being announced that was definitely this year because that was Valentine's Day and that was awesome that was good really good I kind of want to put the fallout from from all out in the promo because that was a promo <laughs> wow you reckon you're going to put that as your promo of the year no I'm not going to but it was like I'm, it's in my mind there's like an, kind of an honourable mention but like in a <laughs> yeah even like the um, you're not even the, you're like the third best person of the shield you're the second best Kingston like that promo it was like Punk easily could be one of the promos of the year. But I can, but tell, you, I can tell you, and this probably will be my number, because I want, he wanted to put that, the, the he's not feeling oozy promo, but it's a segment. It's, it, was, it was fun. Yeah. And, it, and I watched it again and again and again because it was making me laugh. But but if I had to say one promo, and I can't remember, I can't, it must have been before Forbidden Door. But, um, I'm going to, it's either Dax or the other one. It's one of the FTR, and they're talking about, I'm going to fight like an eight-year-old girl because my, my daughter's... It's Dax, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's That, that nice. promo was really good. That's probably my promo of the year. I think mine, begrudgingly, because again, it was more recent, so um, there may be one that could have topped it, but this is the one that stuck out, living in my head rent-free, as I say. Um, it's only recent. That what, I, I, what I was going to do, my, my original promo of the year so far up until this point was Starks turning face that was a good one after losing the FTW title however I think it has been trumped by the promo he delivered to MJF that was very good because there was just something about it that just felt so fresh and I think it's because you want to see Starks succeed MJF is a you know he's a great 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 bad guy and now that everybody's like really behind Starks, like that's the kind of like you want that. Like you need MJF if you want to keep booing MJF. You want MJF to be booed. You got to put him up against someone who's like loved unconditionally, yeah. even if it's only at the moment, you know. But and I hope it's for a very long time. But it's it's just one of those. I think. Stark, well, there was that rumor he was going to turn face. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it shouldn't happen. It's not going to happen. Starks though, that promo for me was like. Again, it's just it's it's the impact of it. Like it wasn't necessarily just because of everything he said. It was the fact that it put him, it 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 just it put him in in the in the spotlight, as if to say, like, look, I've I've been here this whole time, and I'm main event material, and I can sell you tickets. And for me, that was like that was a big thing. Like, do you know what Starks really could, really could be sort of main event level, if they wanted him to be. You'd think me. so. Really could be. And not just main event on Rampage. No. So, yeah, man, I don't know. So, I'm, I'm hoping for a good, really good year for, for Starks. But, like you said, absolutely. Like, stuff with Kingston as well. Great, great promos. And we've had some really cool promos since they've been looser with the script in WWE. Bray Wyatt's first one. Yeah. You know, some back. some of those have been awesome as well. So, promo year's been tough, but I, I'm going to go you, for the Starks one against promo, Would you call a promo the... Um, Riddle, Rollins, they really are still there. Kind of, but I guess maybe it's more of a segment, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of like... Um, it's more of a segment. Even though it is a rip-off of... Um, well, I suppose a promo is a segment. Yeah, yeah it is, yeah. No, I suppose by promo I was looking at like in-ring, on the yeah. mic, either on their own or like to somebody else or with somebody else. Like, promo of the year doesn't have to be an individual, it's just, yeah. Whatever you want it to be, 
Yeah. Whatever you want. No, I'm doing that again. <laughs> Bremen of the Year, then. That one's sorted. What about Feud of the Year? MGF Punk. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah. It can't be anything else, I don't think. Well, what was WWE's Feud of the Year? Sami Zayn and uh, John Knoxville? Do you know what? I can't believe I'm going to say this. A contender, at least for WWE, was Reigns and Lesnar. Only, 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 only because of the climax match at SummerSlam and how good that last man standing was. Which we had no idea was going to be like that. No. Because, like I said at the time, I was like, oh, God, another one. I wasn't. I I wasn't. (laughs) Only because it was different this time. Yeah, it is. And and obviously Reigns, I love this, this incarnation of Reigns. I love it. I love Reigns. I want him to be champion forever. And Facebook is funny. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, but it's just, I just was still like, oh, not another one. But it, it did end up being really good. I think that's a contender for it. The only other one I'd say probably WWE, rivalry-wise, although it was short-lived, because of what it gave us, you could even put Owens and Austin. Mm, true. You know, we had we saw Austin's first match back in twenty years. How about Jeff Jarrett versus the whole wrestling business? <laughs> yeah. Or GCW versus Matt Cardona. Well, see, and Matt Cardona, although we haven't talked about him much in this one, and obviously he's had a great twenty twenty two. Not as good as twenty twenty one though for me. We're gonna save him for the next episode, which which will be the first episode of twenty twenty three. Um We'll go through our predictions for the year in that one, and he will definitely be coming up in that. But um, no, a few of the year, it's it is it's MJF and, and Punk, like, and that and the, and it's not even close. No, it's not even close. And that was what February, March. Yeah, and we could have even got more if things had turned out differently. But and that's what I mean, you know. For as how much about, as we've kind about, of shat on AW in this one, there was they've had some of the best stuff this year from any company. How about Moxie versus that member of the crowd who told them to get out of the ring? Yeah, well, fuck that guy. Like, how disrespectful. You know, you paid yeah. your ticket, I get it, but also, why don't you fuck off? Um, or a uh, few of the year, Young Pucks and Bikini Mega was just a Young Punk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll yeah. get over it. Oh, we'll do the bite mark and we'll do the fucking GTS. <laughs> yeah, that probably is, you know, shoot few of the year, isn't it? Yeah. All right. We're coming towards the end. What was the show of the year? It's obvious for us because we were there, Clash of the Castle. I know, I but know. If we were to go by any of a show, it's got to be WrestleMania for me. I'm glad you said it because the, what I was going to say was that very biased opinion. Hmm. I think because we were both there at Principality Stadium for WWE's Clash of the Castle, the experience is, is, is different. It is different when you're there live, but that... In particular, it was my first stadium show, and it just so happened to be the first a stadium show of any kind. But it just so happened to be the first WWE show in thirty years. Tell me over here, not for you. For, oh yeah, for, <laughs> no, that's what Miro's next match is going to be. Mm. Um, but it, but you you could just tell the buzz was it was just another level, like, and it was it's cringe. But it was magic. Like yeah. it just felt it. It man, it, one of the best experiences of of my life. But um, as from a bias point of view, I would say Clash at the Castle. But that's the easiest choice because we were there. But in terms of the overall 
the overall, I suppose, quality of a show, both nights, I would agree with you, I think is Mania 38. Yeah. I'd, I'd, if I had to pick one, it'd be day one. But day two was good. But just, Day two was amazing as well, though. The, the only problem with day two was the main event wasn't that special, which was the... I know people kind of shit on that. That Again, it was Reigns and Lesnar. It wasn't their fault because Reigns had got hurt. But I don't think it was bad. That we've, and, we've seen and, worse main events. Who would have thought <laughs> at, on day two that the last time we was Vince McMahon really... I know, yeah. Because Pat, Pat versus Theory was really good. Then and one of the most... Do you remember when we watched Day One of Mania and we missed the first kick out at the end of days? Because we oh, it got, yeah. Because yeah, it had yeah, um, yeah. shut down. It, it, it frozen, didn't it? And then it just... We never saw it. Until we until like, like half an hour later we looked on like online. Oh shit, Drew kicked out of days. <laughs> but, um, and he broke the sword on the ropes. He bent it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think you're right. I'd say WrestleMania was good. SummerSlam was good. AEW's had all of AEW's shows this year have been good. They've been and good, but they've not been. I, I wouldn't put them in the high level, high tier. I, I think I said this last year, and you're always in danger of doing it. I don't want to do it, but you it kind of it is hard not to do it. But since AEW All Out 2021 and how good that show and how amazing that show was, and it really was very, like it's. It is in my top shows of all time, but after that, it's it's tricky hmm. because you kind of like it becomes a measuring stick, and it shouldn't. But it is hard sometimes to not put other shows up against it. For me, this year, it is Mania based on the quality. Both nights were amazing. The production was just another level. I mean, Edge's entrance, one of the best of all time, in my opinion. And this is now, you know, a point where we're not getting that awesome Undertaker entrance at Mania. Yeah. But we still did get him there because of the the Hall of Fame. We had Triple H putting his boots in the ring. We had McMahon there, and it was a really crap match, but he took the best stunner of all time. We had Austin the night before, um, you know, his match with against Owens, and that was like such an like a pleasant surprise because of how great he looked. Yeah, really good um, triple threat for the Raw tag titles. Yeah, Cody's match, obviously his yeah. his return to WWE against Rollins was amazing. Knoxville. Knoxville and Zane was amazing. Logan Paul shocked the world in yeah, tag match that was actually coming. really good. Uh, Becky Lynch stole the show, I think, on night one. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole thing the only, like, was only, just I, incredible. The only thing that was a downer for me was obviously Rick Boogs got injured. Yeah, when I was in Charlotte, wasn't and the and the entrance tried to punk out AJ Styles. That was funny. I didn't realize until <laughs> like got until like the next morning whatever it was. I know. No, it was it. What an amazing mania! The best one for me since thirty. That was yeah. the last one that was like yeah, I was like that's that's WrestleMania. Yeah, but yeah, um, awesome, awesome show. What about Ash? Match of the year. I hate this one because this is always really hard. Yeah, once again, because uh, this could change next week. I can say this now and then change it next once week. Once again, because we were there, good, uh, Sheamus was really good. Yeah, I was thinking that Cody and. Uh, Seth at Hell in a Cell, uh, Roman versus Drew at Clash. Um, well, near enough, all the cars from Clash. Um, I tell you what, I don't, I can't honestly give you a 
in number one. Well, you've got to. If if <laughs> if we disqualify, I don't want to say disqualify, but if we don't count because we're their clash of cast, I would say Cody and uh, Seth at Hell in a Cell. Because I haven't seen, I've heard like the FTR Briscoe's tag matches are supposed to be good, but not not seen them myself. Uh, Josh Alexander against uh, I think it was somewhat here a match like a nearly hour long match this mm. month and the impact it's supposed to be really good um, there's been really good matches the dog collar match between Punk and really good match that was a really good match uh-huh. and I think um, Bailey and Bianca's match at SummerSlam was incredible the, yeah Roman and who did I say? I say Bailey and Bianca I meant Becky and Bianca if that's what I yeah, said SummerSlam um, <laughs> SummerSlam my my match of the year, you did say it, but my mine is the first encounter between FTR and the Briscoes. Supercard of Honor fifteen. Um, I I think like I say, it could change, but the fact that that match took place, I think in like April, wasn't it? It was around May. It was mainly weekend. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, I think I said at the time on the show when I was talking about it, but like even before they locked up, like I had actual goosebumps. Mm. And that really doesn't happen often. Like, it happened obviously in Prince Palace Stadium because I'm yeah. there. But it doesn't happen often from home on your sofa. Um, but I had actual goosebumps at the beginning of that match because the crowd was so, so into this. Like, ready to watch these two teams just battle. And, and they did. Like, they went to war. And it was, I think, if it's not the, it is definitely one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen. I really do mean that. It's it's absolutely on another level incredible. I think that one's going to be my match of the year. That's fine. But Gunter and Sheamus is, you know, that's what I mean. Like That one had me thinking. But it, sometimes it just depends how I feel. That FTR and uh, Briscoe's match is a long match. Yeah. And sometimes I'm not in the mood for a really long match. I love them, but sometimes I'm not in the mood for it. And I want something a bit shorter. Two weeks time, I could say Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville was my match of the year because of how great and fun it was. It just depends what mood you're in. But overall, I would say, yeah, pound for pound, I think FTR, Briscoes, Supercard of Honor 15, Ring of Honor, slash AEW. (laughs) Because the thing is, was there many AEW matches that you go, oh, that was match of the year? I think because it was so early in the year, it's going to be forgotten about a bit, but uh, it was was the... No, that wasn't one of mine. uh, Brian Danielson and Hangman. Was that this year? I'm sure it was. It was the beginning of the year, wasn't it? Might the hour been, long. Yeah. I, that's what I mean. I'm pretty sure it was at the very, very. I think it was like the first di- dynamite of January. It might be. It definitely was when uh, Hammer was champion. That definitely yeah. happened in that time. Because um, Orange Cassidy and uh, well, Osprey had a really good match. Really good, yeah. Which everyone was like, "Oh, Osprey should be against Orange Cassidy. He should be against so and so," but. Preview wrong a lot of the time. But also, looking back at Wrestle Kingdom, Jay White and Okada. Which we're getting again this year. Well, yeah. next year, whatever you want to say. Yeah, that was a great match. But no, I'll stick with a tag for that one. And you're going to go with Gunter and Sheamus. But if I had to if I had to pick one that wasn't there for, it would have been Cody and Seth. And so. Nice. Well, we've reached the end of the illustrious awards. Right. Uh, we've got Company of the Year. Oh dear, this could take five seconds. WWE. 
<laughs> I can't believe it, but it is WWE. I don't know. I would not have thought we were in that position last year. Even before like the changeover, I'd say they had a it was going it was going a little bit better, but I think that's more the show the pay per views itself. I just didn't think we'd be here, but it just goes to show like anything can happen in a year, and it's just it's crazy. Um, again, though, look, I'm not I'm not gonna say. Do I think I'm fickle because like I've gone through saying about how great AEW was and how poor WWE was doing, and now I've switched it? No, it's not fickle. But the companies are they've changed. WWE now, like I like wrestling, and I just want to watch what I like. Yeah. Right, and it just so happens I do like watching both companies, but if I had to pick one or the other, which a lot of times I do because there just isn't enough hours in a day or a week to watch everything and consume everything that's out there. True. Right now, it's WWE because it's been putting on the better, more consistent, and entertaining product. And I think, although it's only been for like half of the year, because it's the Triple H half, yeah, that's where it's really picked up for me. And that's what gives it the edge. But again, you had a show like WrestleMania. Yeah. That was that good. I think, and, and, and I know we probably aren't going to do it, but if we did worst show of the year, Royal Rumble was the worst show of the year for me. Well, I think, actually, we did say we were going to talk about Shane and we forgot about him, didn't we? Poor old Shane. But, um, yeah, Shane getting sacked by Vince. <laughs> Because <laughs> of his performance at the Rumble. And it yeah. wasn't just his performance in the Rumble match, but it was the... Backstage as well. I mean, he put that match together and it was just, yeah, it was confusing. But, yeah, like, <laughs> it was It was strange. It wasn't the greatest Royal Rumble match itself. Well, no, because that was in Saudi Arabia. Wow. That was, do you know, that was such a you thing to say. Yeah, it probably was. That was, yeah, that was such a you thing to do. No, no, there's a reason. Like We're not going to sit here and... Because like, we spent like the first hour talking about things we didn't like with certain companies, mainly AEW. We're not going to give like an awards ceremony for fucking worse this, worse that. I have ideas for like worse match and like worse... Yeah, there's stuff that I thought was absolute dog shit. But at the same time, like, it's, it's just too easy to keep focusing on the bad stuff. Yes. In wrestling, and it's not—it's not what it's about, man. You got to if you want just enjoy stuff. If you want the worst things, look, wait until Meltzer's awards come out in like March. <laughs> yeah. We just like we—it's you got to just—you're not going to enjoy everything, and that's fine. You're no. never going to enjoy everything, and some people—do you know what? Some people probably do, and to them, I tell you, I'm jealous because I wish I was like that. But you know, it just is what it is. You're not going to enjoy everything most of the time. Um, but we look, you know, when you love wrestling and you, you've you've loved it for so long, it is just, you just you can't really ever break away from it properly. Right. You can you can turn off from one product and onto another, and that's that's what I mean. That's why I, I'm more pissed off with AEW this year, just because you know you've got a really good thing going. You've got a really good thing going. You've brought back competition after so so many years of not having it, having a true alternative. And that's not, you know, I'm not trying to take anything from Impact or from NWA, New Japan, anyone else. But nobody is able to touch, w- none of those companies can touch WWE. No. And AEW is the only one with the potential to do so. And when I say that, I don't mean they're going to take AEW, they're not going to take WWE out and put them out of business. Obviously not. But they've they've made a dent since they've become a company. Since it's been founded... They've made a dent in terms of, I'm sure contract negotiations have become a lot more 
appealing with people yeah. because, oh, well, if WWE doesn't want me for how much I want to be paid for, then I'm sure AEW will. So, you you know, it, it helps and it's helped elevate everybody and it gives people the option because where WWE was stale, AEW picked it up for me. AEW's had a rocky year, granted. I'm not going to try and, you know, you try not to let that get in the way of, like we said, they put on good week-to-week shows most of the time. So I'm not going to let all of the backstage bullshit try to get into the in the way of me enjoying what happens on a week-to-week basis. Yeah. However, with only so much time in a week and about one million trillion hours of wrestling a week across loads of different companies, there's only so much you can fit in. And you're going to fit in the one that's appealing to you most of the time. And it, it can chop and change. And there is <coughs> nothing wrong with that. <coughs> Definitely. 23 will be no different. Well, we'll wait until next week. We'll always decide what. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see what happens. But the Rumble is coming up and it is always a very interesting time of year. And this is the first Rumble under Triple H. So we'll see what happens with that. But 2022 overall, Ash, would you give this one... Would you say it's been a good year, a bad year? 50-50. I'd, I'd agree with it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Don't know, I don't know what the real percentage would be, but 50-50, probably the, the right call. There's been so many ups and downs. Um, Simon Miller. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of my personal ups this year was I got to meet Simon Miller at a Progress show. Um, that's one thing I would like to put out for 2022. Obviously, we managed to catch uh, one of the um, uh, Progress shows, Deadly Viper Tour ones, codename uh, California Mountain Snake. Uh, that was really good. That was up in Birmingham, and that was that was a really good. That was only about a month or so after. Clash. Oh, yeah, it wasn't that long. Um, I know I wasn't there, but it wasn't that long. No, and that was that was awesome. Um, so yeah, hoping to catch a lot more next year. That's but, it. I, I know we won't be doing predictions with both of us. I'd like to do more wrestling events. Yeah, definitely. Even got, even if it's like a, like I don't want to be nasty, but like a minor league wrestling show. Because you never know who you might see them in I mean, who might be like the future star. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's try, try, just try to do the best to support the scene, isn't it? But I think um, Rev Pro definitely on the radar next year oh, for definitely. me. Um, but no, really good year. I think Progress has had, you know, for the indies as well, particularly over here, but Progress had, had probably company of the year for me. I think over here in the UK. Possibly. But Progress done really well. There's a lot of new newer companies I've been following on Facebook. And well, Sov Pro, Sovereign Pro Wrestling is as uh, emerged this year, and they'll certainly be one to watch for 2023. PWE was another one. Hmm. Um, I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but I'm not. <laughs> it's a lot, isn't it, for there's one year? We'll have to compi- comprise a list next year as we go through the year. I'll put key moments in hmm. of uh, of everything, so we can look at it at the end of the year and we'll see where we're at. Yeah, 2022 has been a mixed bag. They usually are. Um, I think widely it's been positive for wrestling. Widely. Yeah. As it can be. Like we said, the Vince thing has been, no question about it, the biggest thing to happen in wrestling this year was Vince stepping down as CEO from WWE under very crap circumstances because it turns out he's a bit of a wanker. Uh, But I think we all knew that. So... In, in that sense, at least, anyway. But also, thanks, Vince, for giving us everything we have. But also, Vince, you know, dirty bastard. But, um, yeah, that's 2022. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. Jesus Christ. We will be back. <laughs> we will be back next week. First episode of 2023. We're going to give our boldest predictions. They're going to be as bold as you, Ash. Yeah, I know. <laughs> our boldest predictions for 2023. 
Some of them are probably going to be pretty easy and pretty, well, predictable. But some, some might blow your mind. You'd like to think. Yeah. Maybe. But <laughs> until then, once again, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember, you can go and check out all of our other episodes. Well, not all of them, if you haven't got the time, but do check out some. Uh, they're on every major podcasting platform. Mm-hmm. Ash, did you know that on Apple and Spotify, our listeners can leave us a five-star review? Really? I've not known that. What would you suggest that they do? Go 3.5 to be. 3.5? I thought you were going to say 3.5 stars. Can you, can you do that? <laughs> uh, you can leave a three-star review. We would very much prefer a five-star review, because anything under that doesn't really fucking help. So, not really. Um <laughs> But thank you, everybody, for your time. Uh, New Year's is almost upon us. As I say, it's one day to go. Tomorrow is New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. I don't know where I am. Um, (laughs) But uh, we hope, you know, no matter what you're doing, wherever you are, I hope you've had a great Christmas. Celebrate the New Year responsibly. And whatever your New Year's resolutions are, do try to keep to them. You got any? Uh, Probably. Probably. What are they? I don't know. <laughs> God, God, think of it. Mine's going to be, we're going to, TMOF Wrestling, we're going to put out more content than we've ever done before next year. An episode every day. Not that much. No, that's taking a piss. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> it be five minute things. Five minute things. No, we're, we're, we are. We're going to do our absolute best to steamroll 23. But we'll we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. See what YouTube stuff we can put out. And Personally, what? for me, it, it has been a bit of an up and down year, and that is one of the. Well, so it really, it's the main reason um, that we've had sort of quieter points in the year, and I got to take that. Um, but you know, onwards and upwards, and twenty three. I'm I'm looking at it. Twenty three. Twenty three. Think it's our year. Yeah, I I like to think so. We will catch everybody in the new year. All the best. Stay safe. Wherever you are, have a great bloody day. Or night. Or night. Wherever you are. Yeah. Evening. Whatever. (laughs) You know how we can't finish episodes of the unboxing? No, this is it. We'll catch you all later. Happy New Year, guys. Woo! Woo!